This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Headstuff is Ireland's largest podcast network. There's something for everyone here. Gossip, social justice, film, politics and yes, food. Which would be us, of course. So what does being a Headstuff Plus member mean? Well, for five euros a month, you get early access to shows, hip merch and bonus materials. For example, in our Spice Bags journey, we have had so many conversations that we reluctantly had to trim from the show. And you can find them here, like Ahmed Didi's Michelin Education, and from today, the infectiously wonderful Venezuelan food producers and chefs who made Ireland their home. But more importantly, by being a member, you are helping support Irish podcasts and enabling this community of creative voices to continue. For more information about how to become a member, please visit headstuffpodcast.com. The three of us are fascinated with Brazil. Dee just married a Brazilian. Blanca grew up in Latin America. May's father, me, uh, my father, grew up in Sao Paulo. We have wanted to do this episode for months. And now we are going to plunge straight into Brazilian food, its role in Ireland and in the world. And there is no better person to introduce us to Brazil, its history, and also its sweetness than the charismatic baker entrepreneur Fabiano Maior of Sugarloaf Bakery, based in Dublin. How I met you, Fabiano, for people listening, is the Sugarloaf Bakery on Dorset Street um, that Fabiano is the owner of, co-owner of. And when when this opened, which opened in February, am I right? Yes, the 5th. Yes. Uh, the Brazilian community in Dublin were buzzing. There was queues down the street and still on, a, on the weekends and on certain times of the day for what people said, a real taste of Brazilian uh, baking finally in, in Dublin. Tell us a little bit what it means to you to be Brazilian and what are the national characteristics of Brazil? Um, I, I think that when we grow up in Brazil, uh, we kind of in, embrace the, the the characteristics that Brazil are known for, which is the very uh, close person to their friends. We uh, we are a lot of touchy feely. We touch, we hug, we kiss a lot, and that's with everybody, and that's very normal in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Very very common ev- anywhere in Brazil. Brazil is a big country, so there's a lot of difference in in the, the big states and from one state to the other. But all of us are really, really uh, comfortable with hugging and kissing and and touching people. That's Mm -hmm. very common. And also, of course, the musicality and the the passion for soccer and all of this comes intrinsic in in our lives because we are so bombarded with this kind of information since since we're kids Mm -hmm. that it, it ends up being part of you when you grow up. Tell us a little bit about the food, because after all, Spice Bags is all about food. Um, We've read, I visited Brazil briefly just on the border um, with Argentina, so I unfortunately don't have a lot of experience. I'd love to go. But um, Brazil has a lot of multicultural roots, you know, African, Portuguese, Native Indian. Tell us a little bit about these influences and 
does the cuisine seem to be continually evolving? Because we've noticed also mm -hmm. in Dublin, there's Japanese, like Brazilian sushi. Tell us a little bit about all these multicultural influences in Brazil. Yes, um, I would say that there's always a native Indian uh, Brazilian influence that mingles with the European or other countries that went to Brazil, especially during the war, like Italian, Japanese, Lebanese, all these people went to Brazil usually by boats. They would arrive mainly in the Sao Paulo port in Santos. And so they would spread out from Sao Paulo. So Sao Paulo is still the, the main connection with the rest of Brazil for all these countries. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the South Brazil, you get um, a lot of Portuguese, Italian, and Germans, some Dutch as well. But if you stay in the center of Sao Paulo, you can see that the, the Lebanese community in Brazil is the biggest one in the world after Lebanon itself. Wow. The, it happens the same with Japanese. Mm -hmm. ja uh, Japanese people in okay. Sao Paulo, they are the, the, the second largest community of Japanese people after Japan itself. Mm -hmm. So it happens a lot because Sao Paulo has 17 million people. So it's really easy for every community to surpass any other community in the world <laughs> and become the second one. Um, it's a lot of people, and mm -hmm. uh, they do live in communities, and it's it's a good stroll when you, you want to go out in Sao Paulo. You can go to... I used to go with my family since I was a kid to the Japanese community to have all those food in a Sundays because they open like a street fair and you can eat whatever you want. And all the stores are... Uh, Japanese and all the products are Japanese so you would find a lot of products that you wouldn't find in Brazil uh, in Sao Paulo normally mm -hmm. because of imported stuff when I was a kid and now you could find it because Japanese people would bring it and that happens with the Lebanese area as well you get the, the best Lebanese food Brazil especially Sao Paulo we are very accustomed to what we call Arab food but it's mostly Lebanese they're, they're pretty much the same but um and then the reason for sushi success in Brazil now is because of the Japanese community, for sure. Yeah. But it's they've appropriated in a way that's created their your own version. There's a Brazilian version of sushi now, right? It's yeah. slightly different to Yeah, Japanese. funny thing. One day I, I was watching a, a, chef, a very traditional Japanese chef in Japan that he was being questioned about the way that Brazilian people are doing the sushi. Mm -hmm. And he said that in Japan is the same thing because sushi, the characteristic of sushi is making it with the products that you have available and what, what your culture likes to eat. Okay. And then adapting and creating like putting cream cheese on it or in Brazil, katupiri, which is our cream cheese and all this kind of stuff is what makes sushi sushi. Yeah. You can adapt to your region. Yeah. And I love it. It's amazing. It's so good. Um, Sorry, I just wanted to quickly, if, if you could give us a summary of what Brazilian food, like the main staples of Brazilian food. Um, I would say feijoada is the, the, the one. Feijoada is definitely the, the, the country uh, signature dish. And um, you can find it anywhere. Yeah. And there's few differences from all of the country. I wouldn't say... 10% wouldn't change. It's yeah. mostly the same thing. And feijoada is a bean stew? Yes, the black bean stew. Yes. With pork and bacon and um, usually with, with uh, green colored or sweetheart cabbage. Okay. 
and uh, and rice, of course, always yeah. rice, always rice, yeah, always rice. <laughs> it's the best food for as a comfort food, yeah, and as a party food as well because you, that you can make one big pot and you can yeah fit fifty people in that pot. <laughs> yeah, and are there any other staples that would always be on a Brazilian table? Um, if you if you kind of went into the snack area, mm -hmm. I think that definitely. Pão de queijo, coxinha, and all of these fried, deep-fried products, yeah. they're definitely part of all the Brazilian community everywhere. Mm -hmm. And But mainly as a main dish, yeah. I would say that, uh, that there is one for each region, Yes, like moqueca for the northeast, I would say, and there is uh, the carretero, is a rice in the south, there is the... Many kinds of dishes regionally, yeah. but as a country, definitely feijoada. There's it's the a, one that joins all the regions yeah, together. Th there's no other product that it's equal in the whole country as feijoada is. Yeah. Can you describe for our listeners what pão de queijo and co coxinha? Coxinha, yes. What they uh, are? Pão de queijo, it's, um, it's, 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 I would say it's like a bun, but instead of using uh, flour from wheat, we use flour from the manioc, from the yucca. And so it, with the egg, it kind of rises mm -hmm. and there's a lot of cheese in it. So it's mainly milk, oil, egg, and cheese Yeah. with uh, the starch from the, the yucca. So we make it into a bowl, bake it, and it kind of creates a little crust outside and it's gooey inside. And it tastes like cheese it, yeah, or heaven. Because it doesn't it, matter. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it translates as cheese bread or bread cheese of bread, cheese, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Pound de queijo, yeah. is bread of cheese, I would say. Bread of cheese. And coxinha is if if you know a little bit of cooking, you know that the technique used in coxinha is the same using many uh, fritters or deep fried right. stuff in fr from French cuisine that was adapted. In Brazilian people love to adapt. <laughs> they adapt everything to get bigger and tastier. And we don't have a cultural reference as creating food mm -hmm. unless we count the, the native Indians. Otherwise, it's just versions of European foods that for some reason was cheaper or could only be made with our products. Okay. So coxinha is a dough made sometimes with potato, but usually don't, and flour. And with a chicken stock mm -hmm. and then we fill it with cheese bread it and deep fry it I knew this was yeah. going to be one of those episodes where I was like yeah. salivating just this yeah. thing your descriptions are incredible and the shape of it it's shaped like like a, a thigh yeah like a koshinga means a little thigh oh I didn't oh. know that so it's oh. supposed to shape like a drumstick like a, a drumstick thigh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh cute interesting and could you explain what moqueca is moqueca is one of my favorite Latin American yeah, dishes. There are two types of moqueca in Brazil. The, the most famous one for the, the Espírito Santo, which is a state in the almost southeast of Brazil. But the most famous one is the northeast one, especially Bahia. It's a stew of fish and shrimp mm -hmm. with uh, palm oil that makes it yellow. And then you put uh, usually cilantro and you put tomato and, uh, I haven't had this yet. Yeah, definitely it's a stew of fish, yeah. mainly. But I'm after picking up some Brazilian cookbooks now, so yeah, there's yeah. no excuse. It's, I'm going to have it, to. It's also good when they serve you at the table with an iron, uh, very rustic pot. Oh, yeah, like a yeah. cast iron skillet or something. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah, amazing. It's very good. 
And in, I know that you've also lived in the States and you've traveled a bit um, before you came here. So what country do you think in the world outside of, you know, outside of Brazil has the best representation of Brazilian food, do you think, from your experience? Well, I was thinking about this. Uh, and I think that the, the since Brazilian people, it's kind of a mix of other countries, cultural mm-hmm. Uh, food that it's funny because if you think about Lebanese food and when you see Lebanese food the Brazilian Lebanese food is not the same because they had to adapt to the Brazilian products it's the same with Japanese it's the same with Italian so Brazil created the foods from uh, uh, information that they had from the other countries but with Brazilian products so when you go to uh, out of Brazil to other countries you can find Brazilian products but not the same because they don't have the Brazilian products. You, you find the Brazilian food a little bit different. Um, so usually the, the ones that are get closer for me are the sweet ones. Yeah. Uh, so in here we got Daniela with fantastic cakes. In uh, New York, uh, there's a Brazilian bakery that does Brazilian cakes as well and sweets and uh, churros. It's very common in Brazil, filled churros. Yeah. So... All of these products are very common in uh, in Brazilian communities, but I wouldn't say that there's an, a place where the Brazilian food is reached, is reached kind of status sure. of uh, different food. Well, it brings us nicely onto Ireland, I guess, and your experience of Brazilian food here. I mean, I guess uh, we were, how many, Blanca, did we look up the on the census, how many Brazilians in the last in 2016 uh, the last census it was 14,000 but but they expected more. that the Brazilian community would grow the fastest out of all of the communities here so I mean that was 2016 so it must be 20,000 or so Brazilians yeah here, I would say, I would say there's say. a little bit more than 20,000 because as, yeah. as I said uh, Brazilian people they got a, a lot of Brazilian people got dual citizenship so they start counting mm-hmm. as Portuguese as it, or Italian. I myself, I have an Italian citizenship. Oh, really? So now I am Italian in Ireland for the census. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, right. So you wouldn't be counted as I wouldn't Brazilian. I wouldn't be counted as Brazilian. Oh, that's Can I still do the interview? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I'm, my, my point is, I suppose Ireland's a small country. So when you're looking at, yes, I mean, you know, the ratio of Brazilians here is actually quite high. Um, so there must be a good representation of the food here. I suppose that's the question. Yeah, is I've there? been here for six years, and I would say that I don't know how it was before because I wasn't here, <laughs> but it grew in four years more than... I agree with that. Before. Yeah. The main reason is, uh, f- for people that doesn't know, uh, Brazilian people, they want an opportunity to go out of the country, and the best way is studying English. Mm-hmm. For them to study English any other country, they have to pay the whole thing up front. And in here is the only country that speaks English that allows you to work part-time so they don't have to pay everything up front they can have half of the money and then the other half they op- uh, do it here if you I if you go to australia if you go to canada united states you can't work so okay. you have to have all the money up front wow i mean i knew that i knew that you could pay that way but i didn't know we were the only country that did that, that so that's English, interesting yes. yeah yes. yeah wow and, and sometimes i think that new zealand does too Okay. But it's so much, it's so much more further. expensive and further. You yeah. can't. And in here, they can travel the whole re- Europe and no other countries. What you can do in New Zealand, of course. So that's the main reason why Brazilian people come to Ireland. 
Uh, Not our winning personality, Fabiano? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) The weather? I came here for the man, sorry. (laughs) So did May. (laughs) (laughs) And and so this is the reason that people come in here and they love the country and they love the opportunity and of traveling around and and to tell you the truth. my adaptation to the, my family's adaptation to the country wouldn't be as easy as it was if it wasn't for Irish people being so welcoming. And we could notice that in the first couple of days. Well, that's nice to know. It is. Be, be glad about it. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard other stories. So that's, it's nice to know you had a no, good it's, experience. It's really good. It's really good. Um, and so tell us about your experience of Brazilian food here or the, yeah, like how you've seen a change and what yeah. it's like now. As I said, uh, mostly our Brazilian people that live here, they are all students. Mm-hmm. I would say 80% are students. And so they are really on a budget. So every Brazilian restaurant that started here started thinking about getting the customers, uh, the Brazilian customers. And the Brazilian customers are mostly on a budget because they're mostly students. So they have to think about cheap food. Yeah. So they normally do food that's easy to make, and food that is uh, cheap and they can serve a lot with just one or two pots. Mm -hmm. They started out like this. And then you can see that growing because with a lot of Brazilian people in here, a lot of knowledge of Ireland is reaching Brazil. So more people are coming, even those that are not students, Brazilian people with citizenship. And so, and the big companies bringing, like they brought my wife bringing, and more people that are not students, yeah. that part of, of the Brazilian community started to come as well. Oh, I mean, not the students. Mm. So you could see that some other restaurants are starting now to invest in the non-students budget yes. uh, area. And uh, you could see that the restaurants started uh, either coming or growing or trying to reach that other side of the mm-hmm. of the market as well. Yeah. And so before you only had like a small restaurant, I used to eat in the first year that I came here, I used to eat feijoada in a restaurant, it, actually a pub that would rent out an area of the pub to a Brazilian guy that used to make feijoada. <laughs> so in the what part, part of Dublin? Uh, that was near Dame Street. Wow. There's a little street that goes from Dame Street to the river. I don't remember the name of that street. It's not the same Brazilian place that's there in Temple Bar now, is it? Min- uh, I don't know. Min- I haven't Minali's been there in a while. It's an, in an alley. Mina- <laughs> and there is a, there is this pub. And the pub has like a separated area where this guy called Adão, he used to make the feijo Adão. <laughs> yeah. And then he used to make the feijoada only on Saturdays because he would, route, he would rent out that space inside the pub just for the Brazilian could eat. That's amazing. Yeah, and now he, I think that he was working in a bigger restaurant now. So now you can see that the restaurants are yeah. opening big restaurants. You see uh, Fabi's Grill in the city center, which is a triple. Yeah, it's a, that's where Marcio used to work, actually, yeah. as the sushi chef. In yeah, there, yeah, for Sashimi. Yeah. yeah, for Sashimi. Yeah, yeah, so it's a triple company, like yeah. Sashimi, and there's the... Fabi's Fab, the, the grill itself and there's the the cakes the cakes and the sweets on the on the front so you can see people Brazilian people are now investing on it like I mm. did invest and um and this is I would say that it started like this yeah. you can see it growing and that's one of, one of the reasons that made the barbecue place ba open their their space in here and this is ba 33 ba, degrees yes ba 33 degrees because 33 degrees is 
the longitude or of uh, the south of Brazil where their city is from. And ba means like cool, doesn't it, or something? Ba means everything. It means whatever everything. you want it to mean. Yeah. <laughs> Only south of Brazil say that. Yeah. We don't say it, but ba is actually a short way to say barbarity, and they say a lot of barbarity. So when they're <laughs> exclamating for any reason, they say barbarity. Ended up being only ba. Ba. So whatever they say, say ba. Yeah. And that that's. And you um and ba is a gaucho. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, restaurant, which is a South Brazilian barbecue restaurant. Yes, it's correct? a typical one, traditional one. It was created for uh, by Brazilians, for Brazilians and non-Brazilians yeah. in here. Uh, it's very expensive for the Brazilian student, but um, it's worth the, the experience for sure. It's a tremendous place, fantastic yeah. food. I ate there. It's really good. It's just off Grafton Street for any listeners. Um, and it is. They've opened up definitely looking to not just for Brazilian student audience, but for everybody and tourists and Irish people alike in the area that it is. Beautiful restaurant. Um, can you explain what that style of barbecue is, that gaucho, what that means? Yes. Because uh, you consulted on the restaurant. Um, yes, I did. I yeah. created the menu that's non, non-meat. Mm-hmm. All the, 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 the menu for the self-serve, it's created by me. And the desserts. Um, what what is this? The experience is uh, we call it rodizio, which means spinning around. It's um, they serve the food at the meat, of course, at your table. Different kinds of cuts of meats during the night, mm-hmm. and they just slice in front of you, and it, you just ask for what type or whatever piece of meat you want. Yeah. So they come with the, the beef, or they come with the chorizo, they come with the uh, picanha, or the ribs, chicken hearts. chicken hearts, chicken thighs, whatever they come with. You just say yes, there's a little uh, green thing that you spin around, so if, yeah. if it's ready, you're full. If it's green, you want more, and then you stop by your table, you get whatever you want. So the experience of eating like yeah. this... It's uh, people go crazy about it. Yeah, it's a set price. So, and you pay a set price. You go in. You can go up to the buffet and get farofa. You can get feijoada. You can get salads, different things. That's what you're saying. And then you sit down, and and when the green side of the card is up, they keep coming with meat um, yes. from the grill, and then you turn it over red if you need a break. I don't know. I never seen the red side. Can you tell us a little bit then about, I suppose, your business and when you decided to set up here? The main thing that we wanted to make is the Brazilian. Bakeries in Brazil are part of their culture. Even if you don't want to buy anything, they stop by the bakery twice a day in their way to work, coming back from work. They stop to take a look, they start to smell it, and then decide if they're going to take something. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to create that atmosphere, and we saw that the atmosphere is made usually by looks and smell. If they look and see the products that they used to, if they smell the bread coming out of the oven, that should be enough to keep them coming every day. Yeah. And so far it's worked. What we do mainly is the French bread, what we call, that it has 11 different names in Brazil. And uh, we call it French bread where I'm from. So uh, it's pretty much like a white roll, very lighter, than the, a lot lighter than the, the baguette. Yeah. But it, it could look like one. And, um, and we have all of the, 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 we started out with uh, four Brazilian different kinds of bread. Okay. And in four months, I would say now we have about 10 now different breads because we were able to improve our production and create more um, different uh, recipes with the same 
uh, dough and then spread out the the the, the range of products. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have our sweet breads, which are usually braids made with uh, custard and coconut and condensed they milk. Look beautiful. <laughs> they're just they're the braided bread. It's just such yes. with the the yellow going through the custard and then the coconut flakes on top. Yeah, yes. that's a beautiful. It's just beautiful Favi- pastry. <coughs> Fabiano is a an amazing pastry chef, and you really just the perfection of yes. all the items in the store Thank is you. is amazing. Um, I have to say my favorite, and it because it reminded me of of being when I was a little girl in Central America, was the uh, empanada of palm palm hearts of palm. Yes. And I was telling Dee, like because she hadn't seen it before, yeah. we went to the Brazilian store, and that's such a lovely ingredient that people in Europe don't really know. Yeah, and you can find it anywhere here, pretty much, but they don't know what it is. Yeah, it's yeah, I had never come. It's palmito. Palmito, yeah, palmito. you've eaten. Oh no, I haven't eaten. That's why you I you haven't eaten. No, no, not yet. I, that's what we went. I know. <laughs> I mean, fixing momentarily, but uh, but yeah, you gotta eat one from the can. Oh, they're gorgeous. Buy it, open it, and eat it straight from the 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 south of water. The, yeah. the like brine, 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 yes. brine, yeah. The brine, yes. Just get it one because it's salted already. Just eat it like this. Okay. It's delicious. Yeah. And then you you put in in Brazil. We put it on pizza. We put it in padas. We put it in um, bread. We put it in uh, soup. Yeah. Like a cream soup, like mm-hmm. potato soup, and all this oh. kind of made with that is. Nice. Oh. Cream of palmito is oh, heaven. You were talking about also the casados, yes, which Dee had casados. for her wedding. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about these are wedding cakes. Yes. Um, ben casados means well married. Mm-hmm. It's actually two pieces of sugary sponge cakes filled with caramel. Mm-hmm. So we put them together like a mini burger. And uh, usually we make there with four to five centimeters wide round cut them mm-hmm. and we wrap them in little papers with a ribbon yes usually in the color of the bride's dress or the the party and we give us a party favor because people drink too much in a wedding party so before they go home they have to get something sweet mm-hmm. and usually they serve beside a coffee table you also had in the bakery the other day the pudding Pud- uh, pudding I have pudding. it every day all yeah. day long anywhere every time <laughs> it's such an iconic shape and I think uh, yes. recognizable product yes as well. it's the condensed milk flan yeah uh, it, it's harder than a flan because a flan sometimes has gelatin on it mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just cooked but Brazilian makes it sweeter of course always Brazilian is sweeter and that's one thing that I had to adapt in some of the recipes for the Irish palate I had to tone down the sugar sometimes <laughs> and um, but it's funny because for Polish people Romanian Russian they prefer sweeter they're like Brazilian yeah. in Spain also and, like sweet yeah. yeah and then most of the, the, the European countries like France and mm. Irish English they like less sweet so I had to kind of find a that's funny yeah a middle and um, pudding is a condensed milk with egg yolks milk and Caramel, so we put caramel on the bottom, put it in the tin, bake it for hours and hours. That small one that you saw, we bake it for two hours. Mm. So, but we, it's a must have anywhere. So, in Brazil, it's very common to have the bakery pudding, which is kind of a made with mixed ingredients, dried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a, a mix. It's not very mm. homemade, but uh, it, which doesn't taste as good as the, the real one. But. What about the one that is made with egg yolks? Um, Kinjing. 
And what is that? What are the ingredients in that one? Yeah, kingding. It looks like a flan as well, but it's all yellow. People f- usually think it's made of mango, <laughs> because it's. But it's usually it's a, po- a Brazilian version of uh, a Portuguese dish that he used to make with almonds. In Brazil, almonds are not very common. They're very expensive. So we made with coconut that we have a lot in Brazil. <laughs> and then it's egg yolks, butter, milk, sugar, and coconut. Uh, and then uh, we mix it all in a right ratio and we baked in bain-marie yeah. water bath for uh, about 40 minutes. And then it gets shiny and beautiful, and it, it is beautiful. And it's yeah. it's l- nice to look at. And the mold is round. With the a mold, hole yes, in it. it's like the same with the pudding. Yeah, it's very traditional. You don't have to make with the the hole in, but pudding usually is yeah. the the hole in. And the the donut that translate as a dream. Sonho, yes. Sonho. It's just that it's a donut with a very good vanilla custard inside. Yes. But every region in Brazil has a different uh, filling. There is the guava jam. There is the caramel one in Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. Then we've been doing every Monday a different flavor of Sonho. Yesterday was one with fresh cream. So every day, uh, every Monday we have a different flavor of Sonho. Amazing. Okay, so we need to wrap it up, and I wanted you to tell us a little bit about brigadeiros, and I'm pronouncing it, I don't know, in yes, Spanish, <laughs> but brigadeiros are really, really popular in Brazil, and you see them in I the would, shops. Yes, I would say it's the most popular thing. A brigadeiro is a rank in the Brazilian military, and as a one time in the, in the 40s or 50s, a brigadeiro... Uh, was trying to be a, Braz- a Brazilian president. Mm-hmm. And so they went to a party, and the cook in that party wanted to make a sweet in, um, in, in honor of that brigadeiro, that military man. And then she created that and created the name as well. Brigadeiro is a truffle made with condensed milk and cocoa powder and butter, cooked until you reach a perfect point where you can roll it as a bowl, go through chocolate sprinkles, and serve at any uh birthday party especially mm-hmm. kids birthday party every brazilian knows how to make it they usually prefer to buy one because that's the thing you can buy one if you make it one can can make like 18 of those so usually you end up eating 18 <laughs> so that's I why do. they buy it yeah they're amazing that's why they buy it they can buy only one <laughs> and i mean We've we've so enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank you, Thank you so much. But I love uh, that too. The for the last question, I suppose to ask you, let tell us what your what are your plans for the Sugarloaf Bakery? Are, are you going to expand all over the the city, the country? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> what what are your plans now? Uh, for it's it's so successful right now. Thank so. you. Yeah, uh, we're we're doubling the size now. Mm-hmm. We're getting the keys for the 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 house just beside us, and then we're probably gonna be able to increase the size. I hope that by the end of this year, everything is ready. And uh, so we're gonna be able to accommodate more people, especially in seating areas. So we're gonna be able to make the Brazilian breakfast, all you can eat breakfast that we oh, do in Brazil. Yeah. So we're gonna have all of our we'll products. all the time, <laughs> what we plan, <Blanca>. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have all of our products already in smaller sizes, portions, so all you can eat, you just sit, grab, grab a plate and then fill it up with all the products, sit down, eat and have breakfast at the bakery, which we're hoping it opens up soon. and um, You've just started doing sandwiches as well, haven't you? Yeah, we started. Uh, a lot of people, we make sandwiches at the, in the bakery and uh, they want to eat that after we close, like 7 o'clock. They wanna, they, they're, they're requesting that they want to keep eating as a dinner, not mm-hmm. only during the, the, the day. 
and then we decided to open from seven to midnight only on delivery products, uh, sandwiches that we make during the day and three more different sandwiches only for delivery. So it's been going well as well. We, it's open from Tuesday to Sundays mm-hmm. and it's called After Hours. And um, the, that that's the, there's another idea that we are thinking, unfortunately I can't say it now, but if everything goes well, by in about two weeks, we're gonna have it uh, <gasps> open and working. And Big reveal. <laughs> yeah, we'll so come <laughs> back to you more. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Best and of luck. Um, and you. it's been an absolute pleasure meeting thank you. you. You're thank so you. knowledgeable. Yeah. And thank you. Really, you were able to describe so many things about Brazil and bring it to life for our listeners. Um, thank you. So thank you, and we'll see you. And you know, you can meet Fabiano, and he's he's always around. I think in the bakery. Yes. But anyway, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thank thanks you. so much. Thank you. I wish I was in studio with Fabiano. Like, I want to be his friend now. He is so charismatic and charming. He really is. I mean, genuinely, such a nice guy gave us so much of his time, but so knowledgeable. I really felt I learned so much from him. Um, he explains everything so well and the history and his knowledge of of the baked goods, of uh, the history of Brazil, I just found really fascinating. I think Fabiano will go down in history as the Brazilian food uh, leader because he's just so influential. Like he works with so many different people. Um, I really enjoyed it and he really drew me in and I'd love to see him do some cooking classes and history classes. Oh yes, sign me up for that. That would be amazing. I think in Ireland in particular, he's going to become the person to go to um, here in terms of Brazilian food. The community are already kind of flocking around him in terms of the Sugarloaf Bakery and his connections. So I can only see that improving. Hopefully not only classes and things, but I'd love to see him picked up by the Irish media and also maybe like some festivals and things. I'd love to see him do demos on stages. I think he has such a great manner and such a great, uh, as you said, he's just so charismatic. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about a fellow Headstuff podcast about something that all of us at Spice Bags cannot live without. And that is Wikipedia. The world, according to Wikipedia, lifts the lid off the weird and wonderful world of Wikipedia and takes a deep dive into its inner workings and the wonderful people that keep it running. We will definitely be tuning in. The World According to Wikipedia is a podcast that pops the hood of Wikipedia and invites you to take a look inside. Each episode, we will talk to someone from the Wikimedia community on topics like why are only 18% of biographies about women? Can editing Wikipedia be a protest or activism? And what is it like for the communities working on the 200 plus Wikipedias that are not in English? Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. So why are we doing an episode about Brazil? Like we we were so interested But one interesting thing about Brazil is how large and diverse and multicultural Brazil is. So just a quick um, example of of the food scene in Brazil. You have an Argentinian lady who is very, very famous teaching on TV and she's married to an Irish man and he's doing potato farls on TV. Then you have Alex Atala, who also has a little bit of Irish Palestinian. He's Irish Palestinian, I think. I met him actually at Food on the Edge. He's so cool. And then you have people like David Hertz, who has Jewish heritage. Then you have all these Amazonian food, African food. It is a very, very diverse country. 
But when we look at the history of Brazil, and this is just a moment of reflection, mm. Brazil was court colonized by the Portuguese in the 15th century. But one thing people don't realize about Brazil is how much of Brazil was driven by slave labor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a much larger slave force than the U.S. ever was. Mm -hmm. And this was all done in sugar plantations and... Blanca, you said I think it was ten times. It was ten times, yeah. The American, so, than the America than the America. That's incredible, yeah, so. isn't it? Four yeah. million, four million people were taken from uh, Angola around Angola and brought to Brazil to work in the sugar plantations. So Brazil was colonized mostly by men. It was less family. Some other parts, you know, like some of the vice royalties of Spain, like in Peru and Mexico, it was more family driven, like mm. people would move their family or they'd have a family there. But Portugal, Portugal sent a lot of single men and there were there was a lot of slavery. So that influence of the Portuguese food and then the African food and then the, the indigenous food really created what what is the food of uh, of Brazil today. But I wanted to go to our friend Yuzana. She's going to tell us um, about Brazilian food, and she's going to synthesize the history and what they eat for us. Because Brazil is so vast, as I said, so, and they, we have food, different food from each re region in Brazil. So, but I have to say that we have a huge influence from the colonizers, from Portuguese. And then, but I think before that, you have to think about native indigenous in Brazil. So our food is based on the native indigenous in Brazil. So each region has uh, some dishes or food that ingredients that is from indigenous. And then after that, you have a, a mix of uh, influence from Europe. Uh, for example, in Amazon, it's I think Amazon is the, the state that has more influence about the indigenous food. So most of the food are based on vegetables and fish from rivers and they have they use a lot of cassava and they use cassava from the the roots and and the leaves and everything they nothing from the cassava goes to waste you know and for example if you go if you talk about the northeast of brazil you have a huge influence of Africans because of the slaves as well. And if you if you go to the south of Brazil, you have influence of, of German people. So it's a mix of uh, uh, many influences, but I think you have to stick on the native indigenous people because it's the base of Brazilian food. So cassava is used in, in the whole country. I have to say, and then you can eat the most important uh, product from cassava is the flour. I think 80% of the production of cassava in Brazil it's, uh, goes to make uh, flour. And then we have um, the liquid extracted from squeezing cassava became tucupi, which is very uh, important in the north of Brazil, so it's very, very regional. For example, if you ask some people in the south of Brazil, most of the people doesn't know what Tucupi is. Now it's becoming a little bit more uh, popular, but it's not very well known. 
so people knows more about European food than the, the food from Brazil, you know, it's so weird. So you can use the liquid to make tukupi and tukupi, you can make broth and stew and soup, which is very funny because one of the, the main dish made from tukupi is takaka, which is a kind of a, a fish broth. It's made with uh, dry uh, browns and some kind of leaves from from, uh, from Amazon and tukpi and cassava starch. And they, they eat or drink it in the 35 degrees in Amazon. So it's very, very um, popular. It's a street food there. And then you can eat the cassava. You can boil it, the cassava, and eat it with uh, butter for breakfast in some regions of Brazil. And what else you can make? Oh, the starch of uh, cassava, you make, uh, you have the starch flour, and then you make pão de queijo, that is cheese bread. Uh, yeah. So you have many, many, many uh, dishes from cassava, and the flour, you have, I think, more than 10 different varieties of cassava flour that can be made from fermented um, cassava and non-fermented cassava. So it's, you can use cassava for, for uh, each your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner. Feijoada. You know what is funny about feijoada? Yeah, I don't make it because I tried it once and it wasn't that good, so I I don't make very often. But I was um, because everybody knows feijoada as one dish that is it's from the slaves that they used to make it because the 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 colonizers give them feed them with the some parts of the pork like the, the, the feet, the ears and the tongue and it's the only meat they have and they mix it and make the feijoada with uh, black beans. But I was listening uh, reading and listening one podcast that they say that they now we know feijoada as uh, this kind of dish that is from the slavers but it wasn't true because the, the slavers didn't get uh, these parts of the pork. They didn't get any meat from the, the, the colonizers. So I was like, well, <laughs> I know feijoada until now. It's from the slavers because they eat kind of leftovers. But now I have some lesson to learn because to, to research more about because Seems like it's not true. Very interesting what Yuzana said. Did you guys? Um, what was the? In, what was something interesting about it that you that you maybe you didn't know about it? I think I mean all the uses of cassava. I think it was sorry the all the uses of cassava and like the cassava liquid and like the the um, and how there's like a you know there's a dish where you can put like cassava liquid with the fish and you know it's it be she described it in this very sensual. Yes. way um and that was something i really honed in on i feel like cassava is to brazil what the potato is to ireland in terms of it's the basis of so much um of their dishes or it's it's and in so many different ways but it's used it, it's it's on the table 
whether it's a fine dining restaurant or just um, at home in Brazil um, and you can have in so many different ways. And I know that both Fabiano and Pedro, who we speak to as well, spoke about how they use it in different ways, um, whether as a, a flour or Pedro has the the chips and the mash, the cassava mash. Yeah. But cassava, I think, sorry. Cassava, I think the fascinating thing about cassava for me, though, is, is that in its raw form, it's completely toxic. Yeah. Yes. So it kills you. So like, sir, like I don't know, like sometimes I was envisioning this sort of like a Monty Python, Eddie Izzard thing. It's like you eat cassava, someone dies. And then it's like, all right, maybe we'll slice the cassava, someone dies. And then like <laughs> the, you know, just the complicated way in which these, you know, that people managed to make this root edible and there must have been a lot of stubbornness that goes with it, right? Because you're grating it and then you have to soak it and then you have to, it's like, oh my gosh. But when you look at, you know, the uses of the potato in places like Peru, so I would say Brazil is more, you know, it's all about cassava, Mexico is all about corn and Peru is all about potato. Obviously, these are the indigenous plants from, Mm -hmm. from those countries. But when you look at Brazil, They've really, really taken such a good advantage of cassava and they've made it into all these different flowers and mm-hmm. to this liquid tucupi, which I am dying to try. Yes. It's yes. <laughs> like duck in this two in this cassava water. It's fascinating. And just how creative they are with it. I'm I, I would say that's the thing that I have found the most fascinating is the uses for one plant, like you're saying, May, that's toxic how they've converted it, like Yuzana said, 10 types of flour. Yeah, That's crazy. Like, we don't have that. Like, when we look at potato, no. you know, yeah. we don't have potato flour. We don't have, like, I'm saying, like, normally, yeah, there's potato starch, but in the cuisines that use potato. So really, really yeah. creative use of a, of, a, of a root. I also found it really interesting how, um, as well, though, that here in Ireland, the kind of, Brazilians here obviously to get cassava flowers or things to use like Fabiano in the bakery you know he was saying he imports his from Costa Rica Pedro Pedro yeah oh sorry yeah. excuse me yeah yeah Pedro. yeah that that's interesting that it comes from there rather than Brazil um but he just said I think it's the price that yeah it was yeah. just more ex- uh, better he was able to get better and just an easier route to here um, so interesting to see the uses of it here as well or, or the access to it, I should say. Yeah, um, I know because and I found it so interesting about how it is toxic, because when I was learning, as we were saying, I, I did marry Brazilian in March, Marcio, and I'm learning so much about cooking Brazilian food and, and about it in general. And I just thought, you know, there's farafa, which is made from cassava. And I just thought, oh, I'll try and make a home version of it myself because here you can get the packet ready-made, which is nice. And obviously in restaurants, you can get um, the uh, made the ones that they have made there. You can order it. But I was thinking of trying it myself. But again, I was like, oh, I'll just get the root and I'll just grate it up and it'll be fine. But um, yeah, learning that it was toxic is definitely... <laughs> no, honey, no. <laughs> Let's not do that. Yeah. I would, I, I would hate to kill my husband. I grew up eating cassava, but it was different. It was more like the boiled and then fried. Mm. But never, I had never seen the the flowers. Um, let's talk a little bit about who are the Brazilians in Ireland? How many are there? Why are they here? Um, so first of all, Fabiano's remark about the Brazilian students and the arrangements with visas blew my mind, right? I did not realize <laughs> that. I mean, like speaking again, um, my husband came here on a student visa. Um, you know, he, I knew that, 
he had to pay for he was able to pay for it in part and then he started but I did not realize that Ireland is the only country that you can do that in um in so we're talking about in Spain US and in Port- the English in no, in the English speaking world sorry in yeah. the English speaking world if um for Brazilians to come they have to pay for their visa and have their savings and everything up front the full thing so in Ireland you're allowed to do that in part payment which yes is Half, yeah. which and is why a lot of Brazilians have decided to come here because it makes it easier to and a more affordable way of of getting um over here to learn English it's the middle class and ambitious students one thing that's very interesting is the perceptions of Latin Americans in Ireland tend to be neutral or favorable because they don't just glop together all the people and say, oh, Latinos or Hispanics like they would in, in, in the States, in yeah. the mm-hmm. States or Spain. Yeah. So here people are Brazilian or Colombian or Venezuelan, and that makes them much more comfortable than they would in Spain mm-hmm. where we would say, you know, we th- there are some bad words that Spanish people use sometimes to describe mm-hmm. Latin Americans, same as in America. So that was interesting to realize that they feel that their personality is preserved here as a country. In 2006, the population was 8,000. This is like the official population. And now it's around, in 2016, it was 14,000. 14, 2016. Yeah. And I think Fabiano said that he felt it was probably almost double that. Yeah. But also because in the last census, for example, Fabiano registered himself as Italian, not Brazilian, because mm-hmm. he got his visa through his Italian heritage, which a lot, which a lot of Brazilians do. Um, or Portuguese. Or Portuguese. <laughs> so actually, there's probably way more Brazilians here. And when they do the census, they have to fill out a different nationality rather than Brazilian. So we actually not, we'll never get a realistic picture of that. Obviously, a lot of the restaurants that opened up initially were um, catered towards students. They were catered toward the budget of the people who were living here. So as we said, people are coming here on a restrictive visa. You're only able to work 20 hours if you're as a student. So paying Dublin rents as well, if you're based in Dublin or anywhere in Ireland, it's very expensive um, if you're working at minimum wage. Um, I know a lot of the delivery um, delivery people are Brazilian as well because it's a, a job that they can get and get a lot of hours through the visa. But anyway, the so the restaurants here were set up for students, but now we're starting to see a bit more um, of of a more established businesses catered for a different uh, clientele. So you've got um, Bragadiro's, um, We've got Ba 33, which is just off Grafton Street. It's a beautiful gaucho restaurant. Um, Biscures, um, had it at the weekend. Absolutely amazing. Um, Padoka and Wigwam, of course, where Pedro works. Actually, we're going to just drop here now and speak to Pedro as he's talking about exactly what, um, how he's brought that Brazilian flavor to the Wigwam menu. So, uh... I moved to Europe. I'm just going to do a little bit, uh, like my, my background a little bit. Uh, I moved to Europe. I moved to Italy in 2004. And so I stayed there for uh, eight years. Uh, that's how I ended up like doing some cooking. Start as a KP and, you know, I move up a little bit and I graduate in a Italian school as well. So I graduate as a chef. So that's, that's how I start uh, in the kitchen. And because in Brazil, I never cook. You know, I never fried an egg, so never wanted to be a chef. So that's a funny one, you know. So, but like living in Italy for eight years kind of like, you know, opened my mind. And so that's how I start. And 
one of my best mates, Raphael, uh, he works in the bar industry. Uh, he used to live in Ireland for like 13, 14 years. So we know each other since we were six years old. And then he, he was the one who invited me to come to Ireland. And he was the one who was saying that Ireland was growing, the hospitality was growing. So good opportunities uh, was uh, happening in, in, in Ireland. So I took the chance to to come to Ireland. And yeah, I'm very happy. I actually, I'm in that place uh, working since it was the Twisted Pepper. So, uh, and after we closed the business, uh, we took the opportunity to do something different, you know, uh, like uh, do something Latin punk funk, you know, that was the kind of like the body tonic uh, vibe that they want to go for it. So, so yeah, we just took the opportunity to do something more, you know, like Brazilian Latin, you know, like something more colorful. And that's, that's how we start in Wigwan. So, uh, we do, we do like a mix of, uh, you know, like, how can I say that? I always love to say that little thing that it's Italian heart, Brazilian flavor, and Irish accent. Just because, you know, uh, how can I explain? Like, there is a lot of Brazilian uh, business at the moment in Ireland, and they all, like, most of them, now things are, are changing, but most of them speaks in Portuguese and focus on the, on the Brazilian community and Brazilian students. And we, in big one, uh, we obviously, we speak in English and we have loads of uh, Irish customers. So our menu, you know, there is like a big Brazilian twist in most of the dishes, you know. So uh, instead of like push the fries, for example, uh, French fries or potato fries, we do have the cassava fries, you know, which is like a Brazilian, uh, like root vegetable, which comes from Amazon. You know, so that was kind of like a, our first big challenge to make sure we could sell that kind of product, you know. So cassava, it's our uh, it's our main product in the menu because uh, we do like cassava mash in our uh, hearty bowl. It's kind of like a shepherd's pie, Brazilian. We have the farofa. Farofa, it's kind of like a stuffing, you know, and, and we do from the cassava roots as well. We have also the tapioca squares. Tapioca, um, it's something that comes from the cassava also. So we do like a lot of uh, focus on the cassava in the menu. You know, so uh, yeah, basically cassava is the main thing for us. Yeah. I really love that quote. Um, Italian heart, Brazilian flavor and Irish accent. And one thing about Pedro, he told us that he moved to Europe in 2004 and went to Italy. And I was, how old are you? You know, he looks so young. Um, but he studied in Italy and he lived in Italy for a long time. So he's combined all his loves into one. And and you can see that in mm. the menu in, in Wigwam. And he has that more European trained chef uh, influence on the menu as well. The heart of it in his techniques and things like that as well. But with the Brazilian flavor. Yeah, I love the quote as well. It's such a nice way to sum it up. Yeah. And Dee and I went to Bragadeiros and we really enjoyed our little visit. Um, and we already heard Fabiano talk about Bra um, Brigadeiros. Sorry, the shop is called Bragadeiros because her name is Braga. Yes. So, but the, the suite is Brigadeiro. 
Um, and also, obviously, the Sugarloaf Bakery on Dorset Street, which is Fabiano's, which I know he's extending, as he said in the interview, to next door. So that's great things coming there. But it is absolutely beautiful for anyone who's looking for just beautifully baked goods. I highly recommend it. There's actually quite a lot of small Brazilian um, businesses in Dublin anyway, um, that are, are a lot of them are sweet based and bakery based. I know Brazilians love their their sweet things. So you'll find a lot of those around and a lot of other Brigadero uh, businesses yeah. and they deliver to your home. Um, so I highly recommend looking those up. Girls, um, what do you think is sort of the future of Brazil in Ireland? I think it's a very bright future. I think in general, Brazilian food is something that's being discovered. It's been there for a long time, but Brazilians are so proud now of their cuisine. So we're seeing a lot of influence of Brazil in Spain, for example. We're seeing fusion Spanish. So my favorite was like the acai gazpacho. But you do see a lot of people bringing their their traditions to Spain and setting up restaurants. So I, I do think that um, it's a good fit for, for Ireland. I don't know. I think yeah. with the meats, all the, you know, the skewers and the barbecue, that's something Irish people will like. The yeah. sweets also, maybe they need to, like Fabiano said, he's toned down the sweets a little bit for yeah. Irish people. And as you said, in those Brazilian shops, the um, obviously there are massive fans of picanha, which is the rump cap. Um, and they're now using Irish butchers to um, to to sell those cuts that they like in the shops. I, I would be interested to see if there was a Brazilian butchers or something opening up. I think that could be maybe a next step or we might see some of that because they're they're very meat based yeah, um, yeah. and see. But you don't often ha you have to ask for those cuts in the in the butchers in the Irish butchers. So maybe we'll see some Brazilian butchers couple. What is the Brazilian dish that you most want to try now? Well, maybe I've tried it before, but my favorite Brazilian dish would be moqueca, the, like the fish stew with coconut and dende oil. That's something that when I tried it, it was served with plain rice. I love that combination. Dende oil just gives it this unique flavor. And I also think that dish is something that Irish people would really love. For me, I think it's um, I'd love to try a recipe I've seen in a cookbook by Thiago Castagna. Uh, Brazilian food is the name of the cookbook. And um, the, I've been making feijoada at home with Marcio, but and I've had it in Ba 33 and other places in Wigwam. But it's just that in this recipe, it is so rich and luxurious. It has so many different cuts of offal. I've never seen so many meats or parts of an animal in one dish. And it, I just would love to be able to try that. Yuzana had a really, before again, yeah. signing off, but like Yuzana had a really good point in where she was questioning the origins of the feijoada um, because it's always been, right, she, she does say, so historically everyone goes, this is a slave food. But now she was questioning that because she's like, why would the slave, the slave owners give any part of the pig to the yeah. slave? So, you know, so I just found that like that point of hers to be really interesting. Yeah. So I loved going, um, Dee and I spent some hours shopping in all the Brazilian stores and we went to some of the food shops because we want to understand how to cook the food at home. And of course, we, we both have gotten some Brazilian cookbooks. So one of the our favorite products were hearts of palm mm -hmm. and Fabiano makes lovely empanadas or empadas like they say in Portuguese. Then they have dende oil the pan de queijo, pao de queijo mix, but you can mm -hmm. also, I made it this weekend with the 
um, cassava flour and it was delicious and my mm. I made 15 and then I ate nine but Steve said <laughs> what happened to them and I was like I don't know I have no idea um, other things they sell are this powdered milk Nino that is everybody uses in baking and um, it, it's something Mar also that I had in Costa Rica yeah. like a powdered milk that you use in like a granita so Marcio puts it in his coffee yeah and then they had beans. What other stuff did we find, D? That um, as I said, you can get the packets of farafa, um, which are really nice. They have some different flavors. You can get like a kind of a steak flavored farafa, um, but you can get other things. They have the yeah the beans for feijoada. Um, what else do we the feijoada mix packet? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and tapioca. We have to talk about tapioca. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah. god! One of my favorite breakfasts now is a tapioca kind of pancake where you just it's like a very finely ground tapioca and you pour it out onto a dry pan just level it out and then when it goes hard you flip it over and then you take it off and then we just put some butter and put scrambled egg and then kind of fold it over it is absolutely and delicious. that's made with the starch yes. of cassava yeah yeah and you so you can get the packets of that in the brazilian shops as well we're gonna listen to pedro as he speaks about um growing up what he ate when he grew up in Brazil and it's just beautiful to hear him speak uh, very nostalgically and fondly about these favorite dishes. Uh, yeah, a big plate of, you know, rice, uh, beans, you know, mashed potato and steak. Like this, this, this is something that I was kind of like eating every day in my house. My mom wasn't like, she wasn't a big, big cook, you know, but like she had to cook sometimes for us, for the kids, you know. But my, my, my grandmother, you know, like everyone's grandmother, you know, like she used to cook uh, every weekend for the whole family, you know. So we used to get like loads of, you know, feijoada with like big family table, you know, like uh, we, we do loads of uh, moqueca as well. You know, moqueca, it's kind of like a fish stew, you know, uh, coconut milk and, you know, dende oil, which is kind of like African influence as well. And lots of stroganoff, you know. I don't even know like how is the real stroganoff because I think like it, it's from Ukraine or Russian, so I don't know how that's end up like going to Brazil. But like it's rice, you know, like a tomato sauce with like kind of loads of ketchup, mustard, and sometimes people use the Worcester, Worcester sauce and and mushrooms, you know, and you know just beef like fried beef and kind of like you know uh, crisps, you know. Yeah, so that that's kind of like you know Brazil, you know. So, yeah, this this reminds me a lot my 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 my, my family. Strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's... can I just tell you a funny story as well that I make a stroganoff and when I met Marcio and we were I cooked for one him at home I cooked him a stroganoff and he thought I did it because he's Brazilian and it was only it was only like after we were married and I learned more about Brazilian food I was like oh stroganoff's like really part of your cuisine and he was like isn't that why you cooked it for me and I was like no it's because I went to the Czech Republic and I fell in love with stroganoff from East European perspective or I just learned it you know and we just had such a giggle about that. It's huge. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please contact us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you or if you have any other suggestions, comments or just general uh, chit chat. You can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Spice Bags Pod. Mm. 
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 